For the Community by the Community podcast is brought to you by Traverse Catholic Federal Credit Union, financial services for the community established in 1950. Hi, and welcome to the 9 and 10 News for the Community by the Community podcast. I'm your host, Whitney Amen. Living in Northern Michigan, something I've always loved about this area is the love and support that comes from every corner of these communities. So the goal of this podcast is to promote and get to know the many local nonprofits and charities and their work, along with individuals who really leave an impact on their communities through outreach or volunteering. If you ever want to nominate a group or individual, please send me an email at WhitneyAmon at 9and10news.com. I'd love to hear about who is making a difference where you live. Big Brothers Big Sisters of Northwestern Michigan has served over 15,000 kids in Antrim, Charlevoix, Emmett, Grand Traverse, and Kalkaska counties since 1970. They help match hundreds of kids every year with an adult mentor, changing outcomes and reversing the downward spiral brought on by poverty and the absence of consistent adult guidance. This month, we are talking to Executive Director of BIGS, Cecilia Chesney. Cecilia, thank you so much for joining us this month on our podcast. If you could um, start by telling us just a little bit about BIGS and what you guys do. Um, Big Brothers Big Sisters is a mentoring program. So it's a preventative one-to-one mentoring program administered and supervised by a caring team of professionals. And we thoroughly vet our volunteer mentors who work together to provide opportunities and hope to our children in the community so that they will succeed in life. So we're looking at ways to provide um, experiences and opportunities that they might not otherwise have available to them. Now tell me a little bit about your time with the organization. You just celebrated 11 years and the program has changed and grown a lot in those 11 years. Yes, a lot has happened in 11 years. In some ways, it seems longer than that, but in other ways, I can't believe how quickly the time has flown. Um, So I was literally, um, I started my career in marketing and public relations uh, with the public schools. And after about 10 years, you know, my husband and I were looking to start a family and my doctor thought, well, it's a little stressful. Maybe you should take a little break and see, I think it might help you get pregnant. And of course I didn't believe that to be true, but literally three months to the day that I left that position, I did become pregnant and I had two children and stayed home for about 10 years. And so I was really my girlfriends were actually joking about you need to get back to work because I think they were tired of me talking about like the new toys that I bought for my kids or you know the cupcakes that I made for the first graders and those kinds of things and um they just decided you really need to get back to work and so um, my husband thought it would be good too for me and I was kind of anxious to do it and um literally I got a phone call out of the blue from Tony Anderson who was our board president at that time and they were looking for an executive director um and so I thought how interesting is that I know about big brothers big sisters it's something I've thought about in fact I thought about I should be a big sister but then really kind of thought well what would I have to give because I don't know anything about it and so in my mind you had to be really you know really smart really active in the community really like you had all these credentials not realizing um until I actually sat down and interviewed with four or five board members um and learned about how many children in our community really needed 
resources and needed guidance and support. And um, I was probably all in within about 30 minutes of the first conversation, listening to to what needed to happen. And I knew I could help. I just thought, oh my gosh, they need me. I can do this. <laughs> and so there you have it. Um, three weeks later, I'm starting working at Big Brothers Big Sisters. It was um, it was a challenge. I'll have to say that we were we had a lot of debt. We had, um, you know, really didn't know how we were going to pay our bills, uh, pay our staff. So a lot of regrouping, a lot of changing, um, but a great group of human beings. And we were, I think, just spread out too thin. We were in 10 counties at one point and we needed to kind of take a step backwards so that we could take um, three steps forward. And, and so it took several years to kind of gain our momentum back, but, um, but we are, you know, I'm, I'm happy to say that we are, um, doing really well financially. We've, we've got our, our internal team is really strong. We've got a great training program. Um, we've got put some things in place where I think our, our team, we're doing things to retain, uh, a quality team, and um, we have an 11 member board of directors, of course, Whitney, you're on that board. Um, and and they, they're all in. I think we have 100% participation all the way around. And it's a cultural thing, right? It takes time to build and rebuild your culture. So I think that's really what, what it takes. You know, like you hear that term all the time, it takes a village. It truly does. It takes a village all the way around. So our program, we couldn't do what we do without all our volunteers and our team and the training that's involved and our and our community resources like other other um, nonprofits that we work collaboratively with it's it, it's just it's all of it you know it takes the village and same with with our board of directors and and all of our fundraising events and all of our marketing and and those resources that we have available to us in the community, like like you, you know, at nine and ten, have been so generous, helping us do some things, and then, you know, like our radio stations are always helping us. So it's all of those things compiled, and it's, and it's number one, all about relationships all the way around, mm-hmm. and it's building those relationships and and securing them, and and you just have a group of individuals who really truly care about our youth and about their outcomes and um a lot of people and and it's interesting because we're we're part of this big statewide alliance and so i often will talk to my colleagues in in like flint or lansing in detroit and i even hear them sometimes make comments about oh you probably don't have you know these issues in traverse city or harbor springs and and i always remind them you guys yes we do we know this we all know this (laughs) that these the issues the challenges challenges that our youth face, whether it's the remote rural areas of northern Michigan or it's, you know, urban Detroit, it is happening everywhere um, our youth are facing. And especially, you know, throughout this whole COVID experience, it's been even more um, isolating for them and and I think more challenging um, for them. So it's been it's been an interesting time, but it's um, I think we are on an upward momentum and we've We've added some new staff so that we could support more children. Um, to date, I think we've probably, if my math is correct, we're over 15,000 children that we've served um, in in the last 50 years in Northwestern Michigan. Wow. And you touched on the pandemic. How has that impacted not only what you guys do, but your bigs, your littles, at a time when people really need that 
interaction, that mentorship, somebody in their life, how has that, how have you guys kind of navigated that over the last year and a half? Well, again, that's been, you know, obviously a challenge, which I, I know that's true for, for most people. Um, at first, it was really more about um, triage and just p- providing resources to families because, you know, there were people out of work, people that couldn't access unemployment, people that just needed some basic essentials. And so our team really switched gears and we really kind of divided and conquered and figured out who needed what, how quickly and what the priorities were. So. So that was our first three or four weeks, um, just figuring that out. And then, of course, everyone, you know, we had to figure out technology, working from home, how we were going to maintain um, connections with our families and our youth. And and most critically, I would say it was our school-based program because our school-based program is one that, um, so as a volunteer, like, like that's how I started with my little sister, I would visit her once a week at her school for an hour. And so... You're in an area where it's supervised. You have, you know, the the school staff there, and you're there, and it's very consistent at the same time every week for just that period of time. So you don't have access to like phone numbers where you're calling each other at home. You don't um, get together in person outside of the school. And so those matches, those kids we were really concerned about because they were now at home and had no access to their to their big brother or big sister, which in a situation like that is so unfortunate because in some play, in some cases their parents were working or the parent was working and the kids might have been home alone or trying to access, you know, online virtual learning at school, um, but didn't have access to, you know, their friends and then now they didn't have access to they're big and so we were able to um work with our national office to um at you know um i should say change our our standards of practice and they were working on this nationwide with other agencies like how do we manage our safety protocols um with these volunteers and how do we manage this like what what policies do we put in place to make sure our kids are safe and so we were able to with and i would say about 30 days change that up so that we could provide some virtual interaction for our our bigs and little so they could still get together um but it was monitored a parent had to be uh, there but we were able to do some facetiming and some you know fun like resources that were happening all over the country where you know they could get together and virtually visit like a museum in new york city or or london and there were some great cool opportunities that our team was able to reach research and provide um, and we did some Zoom group calls and some fun things. We just kept trying to get creative and think of new ways to interact, to engage, um, and keep the kids, you know, occupied with with just some uh, adult companionship um, with their bigs that they didn't normally get to see outside of school. And it it really, I mean, for some bigs and littles, it was really fun and exciting. For others, it wasn't so much fun because they just it wasn't a format that they really enjoyed or liked. So definitely um, our numbers weren't as high, but I would say overall, um, we probably had the highest numbers in the state of Michigan in terms of our local agencies. So that was really, I mean, it was, it's very hopeful to know that we can, we can pull through in times like that. Mm -hmm. Now with things still kind of being up in the air, things changing every day, how are you going to be able to continue the school-based program even with things kind of uncertain with the coronavirus still? 
Well, that's a that's a big challenge because we were just told yesterday that our mentors would not be allowed in schools, and they are going to revisit that on uh, September 27th at their next board meeting. They're going to talk about the universal mask mandate that they're putting into place right away, and um, they're going to talk about that, and they're also going to talk about if they're going to allow people in the building. So they may be reversing that decision that you know they're starting the school year with. Um, so we're just really hopeful that that can change. Um, but with our new school liaison position, I think that we are going to have an opportunity to access families, um, parents, and kids more directly, um, developing those relationships through her that we're going to have more community-based matches. So that will make up for the loss of the school-based matches. And and I, f- I forgot to mention that as well. You know, a lot of our school-based matches transitioned to community-based when the pandemic happened and they knew that they weren't going to be able to have as much contact with their uh, littles. And so our volunteers really stepped up. And, and, you know, plenty of our volunteers were also very concerned about the virus and contracting it or passing it to an elderly parent or a, you know, sick aunt or, you know what I mean? So, so all over the board, you have so many different feelings about it and how to handle it and how to be safe. So, um, so it goes both ways. It's, it's, it's not just the school's not allowing us to be there, but you know, our, our bigs, our volunteers being concerned with it as well. Mm-hmm. Now, if you can, tell me a little bit the difference between the school-based program and the community-based for somebody that might not know the difference but is interested. So a school-based program is a great way to start because it, it you know, you, the process is, you know, you apply, we go through background checks. And as an example, if you're going for a community-based program, we won't do a driving background check. We won't do a driving record check because you're not going to be transporting the child at any point in time and it's not necessary right so we don't need that information um there's also in terms of training and developing boundaries and guidelines um, it really is different with community-based because you are in the school-based program you are once a week you know for one hour with this child and there's boundaries and guidelines set for the interaction but in, in terms of you know, places you can go, like being able to spend the night, um, interactions with the family, those types of things where we set very specific boundaries, they're just not, they don't come into play when it comes to our school-based programs. So, and community-based, you might you might get together with your little um, once a week for a couple hours, you might get together a couple times a month for a few hours i mean it's very flexible and it's very flexible for people who who aren't really good with the nine to five okay i can do this once a week you know kind of thing um at school and so for me personally i thought that school base would be great because i kind of liked the regimen but then about three months into it i thought okay this is way too boring i want to do more fun things uh gotta switch so then we transitioned it and it was great and it's a lot more fun i think it is (laughs) but it's kind of a fun way to start school base because it's it's a way to ease into it and sort of get to know the child as well so i mean i you know it just depends what works for you you know, I mean, I'm glad that we have flexibility. Mm-hmm. And as a big, how have you, what have you learned? What have you seen from your little? What have you learned yourself as a big in your years? 
with her? Um, I would say that what I've learned is that kids just want to be loved. And when you, especially when you're not related to them, and I know this from being a mom too, because whenever I say something nice or positive to my kids, they always say, well, you have to say that because you're my mom. (laughs) And with my little sister, it's so like when she hears me praise her or, or just, you know, when she's reading or something's happening and I'm like, wow, I'm so proud of you. It's just so fun to watch her blossom. Like, like you just, I never thought me, just little old me could have that kind of an impact on, mm-hmm. on another human being. Right. And it's just like, you're watching this little flower open before your eyes. I mean, I just, it's so magical. It really, really is. It's, it's really special. And so I even feel more important because I have a, a little sister. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think like people talk about how it impacts them. It totally impacts me in that way that I just, it makes me feel special because I, I see it in her eyes, you know, when she's looking at me, Mm -hmm. it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. And, and sometimes you think they're not listening, but they really are. They're listening. They're, they're soaking up every word. And it is, as you said, it's, you get a lot out of it as a big, you think that you are providing a lot for this child, but the child is also helping you and almost your mentor in a way throughout the years. Oh, absolutely. No question about it. No question about it. In fact, her little sister really wants a big sister, and I'm hoping we can do that really soon for her because um, often she'll ask, can I bring my sister? Can I bring Abby with us next time? (laughs) I mean, it's just so sweet. It is. I love that. Now, you guys obviously um, fundraise, have to raise money. So a big way that you've been raising money over the last few years has been Marathon for Kids with Tony Anderson. We've done stories with him running a marathon in every state. But he finished his last marathon, and now you guys are kind of transitioning into another fundraiser. So tell me about Try for Kids. So Try for Kids is all about triathlons. (laughs) So um, Chris Gerback, who is the owner of Great Lakes Potato Chips, um, who's been a donor for several years uh, and has been thinking about how can I help, how can I help? And and just out of the blue, when Tony finished up his, um, his marathon for kids, his last marathon, Chris called me and said, hey, I have a really good idea. I want to meet you for coffee. And and basically just threw it out there. What do you think? I would do a triathlon in every state in the country. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> I'm like, what? And he said, no, I, I really want to do it. I think I can do it. And, and, you know, he has three children and they're, you know, they range from 14 down to like six and his beautiful wife. And they, um, they do a lot of things as a family. And so it's kind of a family affair there. You know, they often go to these triathlons together. And I think we're up to he's done three or four now. And it's been a it's been a quiet start because we we, you know, want to build some momentum. We've got it up on our Facebook page and we have the map and it shows, you know, the three or the four, you know, that he's completed. But we've started sort of the same kind of along the same theme as we did with Marathon for Kids. We started the Try for Kids Club where you can, you know, just pledge an amount for each triathlon that that Chris completes. And he's sharing lots of pictures and stories along the way. And it's going to be a 15-year process, I'm sure. (laughs) But we're just so blessed to have people in our community that will come out and 
think of these creative ways to get people engaged and to make it fun and interesting and and he's going to have these family memories along the way and we're going to get to watch his whole family you know grow up because um, i think about annalise who's six you know 15 years later she's going to be in college um when he's done with this it's amazing. Uh, so yeah we're excited about that and then tell me also about fundraisers that you guys do how how do you guys raise money throughout the year what are ways that people can get involved so we typically get funding through three sources so individual donors which are you know one-on-one -on -one conversations people who want to learn more about big brothers and big sisters and i'd love to talk about it so always happy to answer questions and and have a conversation um we do a couple of major events um once a year so we do our annual wine event which is two days in at the end of april so we do a saturday evening event where typically it's like an auction and we have people come together for a nice dinner and and talk about our program get have a speaker it's a really nice event and then on sunday we do a brunch um and then uh for our golf event which comes is coming up next week so it's two days in a row we do a scramble the first day and the second day we do an invitational which is a very competitive um event it's uh, two-man teams best ball of two and the prize is a trip to whistling straits to golf the straits course a pga course in sheboygan wisconsin so they leave in the morning about nine o'clock and fly on a private plane over to Wisconsin and they have a, a limousine pick them up and they go to the course they each have a caddy and they have a wonderful day of golf they come off the course have a wonderful dinner and drinks and then they fly back that night and wow. that's the prize for the winners and then we auction off the other four seats on the airplane during the event as well so typically we raise I, for the golf or the wine event last year we raised 130,000 net and for the golf event this year, I'm expecting it's our biggest year. We're going to raise probably close to about 120. Wow. And those are our two biggest events. We have smaller events along the way, but um, those are our two big events. And we, we probably don't want to have any more than that just because of the time and energy it takes from our team and volunteers. And you have to balance, you know, where your money's coming from. We don't do, we don't get a lot of grant money. So it's typically individuals, events, and then um, uh, corporate donations okay. and a very small amount of foundation money. Now, if there's somebody listening who has a kid in mind or maybe their own kid could benefit from a mentor, what advice do you have? How can they go about that? How can they go about getting a big? I would say to please give us a call, 946-2447, uh, um, our, our area code 231. Um, or go to our website, bigsupnorth.com, and there's an inquiry form, and someone will call you, and you can just have a conversation. There's no pressure, um, but it's always good to just learn about it, ask some questions, understand how it works, and then take some time to think about it. But it truly is life-changing, and we've seen, I mean, I've had the opportunity um, in the last 11 years to, to watch some kids really thrive and change the course of of their life in such a positive way it's just been it's been such a blessing that i mean it really fills me and it fills my soul to to be able to be part of this you know as i said it couldn't happen without all the people and, and the teams that we have around us but but it truly is just such a beautiful um 
just a beautiful feeling to watch these kids grow and thrive. And, you know, at one point they're, they're insecure and shy and, and, you know, looking down instead of looking up and then, you know, you, you fast forward and big hugs, big smiles, looking you straight in the eye. Um, just proud, just proud moments. You know, I feel like a proud mama to a lot of kids. <laughs> that is awesome. What you guys do is so amazing for so many kids. Is there anything else that people should know that you want people to know about Biggs? Um, I would really just say that, you know, we need volunteers. We really, truly need volunteers. And I would just tell you that, I know we talked about it a little bit, but it is so fulfilling and it is so easy. I mean, it is so easy. It's just basic human kindness. That's all it is. There's nothing more to it. It it adds to your life. I, I can just tell you like this summer, um, I spent a lot of time with my little sister um, because I, I knew I wanted to get some extra time in like three or four weeks in a row because I knew that I was gonna be really busy and I had a vacation planned. And so I thought, well, I'm gonna do this and get all this done and then I'll, I'll feel okay about leaving for a week and a half and then I might not see her for two whole weeks. And I just miss the heck out of that girl. Like, I'm just like, I wish I could get done with these fundraisers because I want to get back to, like, you know, having some time. And and I'm just telling you, they do become part of your life. And you you really, it isn't it isn't a, a burden or, oh, something you have to do. It's something you want to do. And it's a lot of fun and it's so fulfilling. And it really does not take away from your life. It adds to your life. It really adds to your life. That's the best way to put it. Thank you so much, Cecilia. Thank you for joining us today and for all the information. And we will, of course, link Biggs, your Facebook page, Instagram, all of that on 9and10news.com. Well, thank you for having me. This was so much fun, my first podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Again, that was Cecilia, Executive Director of Big Brothers Big Sisters of Northwestern Michigan. Head to 9and10news.com for more details on how you can help. As always, if there are any groups, nonprofits, charities, or even exceptional individuals you'd like to hear more about, email me at WhitneyAmon at 9and10news.com. From podcast producer Joe Busick and myself, thanks for listening to the 9 and 10 For the Community by the Community podcast. For the Community by the Community podcast is brought to you by Traverse Catholic Federal Credit Union, financial services for the community established in 1950.